Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, we come to you this morning thankful to be in your house, thankful to gather together and to have a chance to hear your word, Lord, to be spoken to you, spoken to us by you this morning. We ask even at this moment, Lord, that you would clear our minds, that you'd clear our minds of all the outside things that have scattered our brains this morning that are pushing as we think about things that are going to happen afterwards, things that happen on the way here, things that, Lord, quite frankly, don't matter and yet are getting in the way of, our, of hearing you this morning. I pray that you'd quiet our hearts. That as we hear your word, Lord, that it would be bold in our hearts. That we would hear, Lord, the word you have for us this morning. That as we listen to God's people being told what to do, that, Lord, we would realize that we too are God's people and we need spoken to. You so desire that in our lives. Lord, help us to hear that this morning. Quiet us as we, Lord, spend time in your word, as we share around the music and, Lord, begin to hear from you in a new way. Let not today be just another Sunday, but rather an opportunity to meet with you. And we'll give you all the honor. In your name we pray. Amen. The passage this morning, I need to let you know that um, we're going to skip Joshua 5. Uh, Some would say I'm a chicken on it's a, challenging, it's a challenging chapter, but more importantly, we lost a week, and there's just two really good weeks in uh, Joshua 6, and I didn't want to miss that. I want to spend, uh, there's just some, this is, this is the culmination of going to the promised land, and I don't want to miss what's going on there. So today we're going to read Joshua 6, 1 through 15, and next week we'll finish that chapter, 16 through 27. I've heard some good report that people are excited to know what the passage is a week before. We're going to keep, try to keep that going. Um, I, I, I pray that at some point in the week you get into that passage and have a chance to hear it at least once before you come, and that God has a chance to speak through that. So today we're going to look at Joshua chapter 6, 1 through 15. Has everybody got their helmet on? Got your helmets on? Got your armor? Are you ready to go? We're going to battle. That's, that should be exciting. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. No one went in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Here's the strategy. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. 
On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and the wall of the city will collapse. And the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. He ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward blowing their trumpets. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. At this time, the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took the ark of, and took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the Lord or before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. To be continued. May God add his blessing to the reading as we sing this morning. We you this morning, and we are thankful to be in your house. Lord, we ask forgiveness for those things that get in the way this morning, or that might get in the way. We ask, Lord, that you would clear our minds, clear our hearts, that, Lord, you would allow us for the next 20 minutes to just hear you speak into our lives. Lord, I pray that although the scattered thoughts and things jump in and out, Lord, I pray that you would help us to concentrate on you this morning. Lord, we realize that your word is never void. It's never not bringing back report. It's never not good for us. And yet there are times where Satan just jumps in the way and pushes and pulls and tries to, Lord, to keep us from that. And this morning it feels like there's something in the way. And Lord, I just pray that you would open that up this morning. That as we look at your word, we would realize the victory in our lives. Lord, there are those here who this morning are struggling in the battle who are struggling to see light at the end of the tunnel, to figure out why it's even worth it to be here. And yet we are reminded 
that there is victory in you. And Lord, I pray that that would be the word that they hear this morning. That your word would be powerful. That your word would speak into their lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Sorry for half of you being sitting and standing. I, I apologize. <laughs> All right, the herd may now leave. Dun, 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 dun. The stage is set. God's people have come so far. Fleeing Egypt, they wandered into the wilderness. 40 years of the wilderness. They crossed the Jordan. You remember we talked about that a couple last week. I don't know, my weeks are all messed up. I don't know, it's today. And God promised them the land, the promised land. And still they own nothing. They have to come and take it. They're so close. They can see the land, but they're still not home. They're merely a mile or two away. And they can see up on that hill, on that high ground, a place that might look a whole lot like that, something similar to that. By the way, it was, there is an archaeological dig and they found it in uh, there's a lot of really cool things online if you got time to spend. I'm not going to spend any time this morning, but there are some really cool uh, answers in Genesis. is a really good place. I found a lot of information. Uh, we won't spend a lot of time with that today, but um, some really cool information there. They're so close to victory. So close to tasting victory. They can see it. But they still got to take it. Now, you need to understand that the city of Jericho was fully stocked. We heard in that first uh, verse, they said, we closed it up so no one could get out, no one could get in. They had plenty of food. They even had a stream within the... uh, So they weren't going to be... Uh, pushed out anytime quickly. See, the, war- the warfare of the day was this. You take all your people and you go around the city and you just lay siege to it. You just hang out. You hang out and you wait. They can't get out. They're going to starve to death. And so the warfare of the day was to do that, was literally to go and just wait it out. Eventually, something would give and they would take over the city. That was the plan that most people would use in that day. And let's be honest, the plan that God sent Joshua and told God's people to do was a little bit different, was it not? I can say with pretty uh, surely that there hasn't been any other wars fought where people walked around the outside of the city and waited for the walls to fall down, right? Not a popular plan in warfare, And yet, we know the end of the story. There was victory. Ultimate victory. 
for God's people. There was a complete victory that would take God's people and take out Jericho. Now, a friend of mine says that the only people who like games that are this lopsided are Penguins fans, right? They, they're the only, Pittsburgh Penguins fans are the only people that like a 10-0 to hockey game. That's how lopsided this would be if we were to line it up with a hockey game. It was that lopsided. There was no chance that they wouldn't win. And yet, that's what the walls looked like when they got there. See, Jericho was up on a hump. And then there was a, there was a wall with a gap and then another wall. Uh, some estimates say a good 40-some feet from where they would have been on the grass to the top of the second wall. 40-plus feet. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to fight a fight, that looks like a pretty impenetrable uh, wall standing in my way. So let me ask you this question. What's your Jericho today? What's your Jericho this morning? What is that battle that you're fighting today that you're struggling with? Battles of health of relationships, money, whatever it might be, peace. Maybe that's the biggest one, right? A lack of peace. Scripture tells us, there we go, that those are just a part of our normal life. There's no temptation that has overtaken you except that it's common to man. But God is faithful. It reminds me that this is just a part of our life. I think about a baby coming out. The very What's a baby do? The very first thing that happens to a baby, as soon as they inhale their first breath, they cry out. They said, ah, it's cold in here, right? It was really warm, and now it's cold. And they do that for the rest of their life, right? <laughs> former baby, <laughs> right? Right? We do that. Our life is a battle, and it hasn't stopped from when we were born until we breathe our last. It's going to continue to be a battle. I think one of the, the things that uh, misconceptions of Christianity is that somehow that God will take all those battles out of our life. That we will no longer have to fight a battle. There will no longer be a struggle. And yet I walk through life. I spend a lot of time with Christians. And yet there are still the struggles and battles of life. And it's not just 2019. You may remember that Paul in Ephesians spends a lot of time talking about putting on the armor of God. Why? Because there's going to be a battle. There's a battle in our lives. Ephesians 6, if you get a chance to read that, if you want to put on the, it says put on the full armor of God. If we had time, I would have had Bobby dress up. He likes to dress up in this. He has an armor devotion that's pretty good. So um, you can ask him to talk about that. But there's a reason there's an, this armor idea because there's a battle that we are fighting in this life. It won't stop. It's going to be there. And God's people 
as they're walking through the wilderness, they're like, oh, we don't like this anymore. We want to go back to Egypt. They get to the, the, oh, we got to go across the Jordan. How are we ever going to get across this river? They get across the river. Oh, what's next? God, what are you going to do? Now, let's be honest. There were some easier ways to make this happen, right? And yet there's a battle that they are a part of. And I, and I'm, I struggle to not believe that God puts those battles in our lives to help us to realize that his way is the right way and that we need to lean on him. Because what do we do as soon as we're done with a battle? We take a deep breath and we do our own thing. Right? That's what I do. I'm like, whew, done with that plan, done with that problem. Thank you, Lord, for that. And then I go about doing my own, my own thing right again. Anybody else? Anybody else do that? Am I, maybe I'm the only person that does that. If so, Janelle does it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being the honest person. No. <laughs> right? There are those battles in life, and we get so tired of fighting the battles. And maybe we get tired of fighting the battles because we are trying to fight the battles. We have decided that for whatever reason, either God's not worthy of fighting our battles or God doesn't care enough to fight our battles for us or maybe that God will not show up and take care of that battle. And so what do we do? We go on our own and we cry out and we still do our own thing. And then we cry out and we still do our own thing. And we cry, and it's that nasty little circle that we do over and over and over and over again. And yet we watch God's people being taught, hey, the Jordan's going to dry up so you can get across it. That was cool, right? There's one thing we don't see in this passage. We don't see Israelites complaining in this passage. It's pretty interesting. Joshua, God tells Joshua, tell them to do this. Tell them to grab, their, uh, grab the ark, build this, uh, uh, a group of men, and walk around the city. That's about as odd as it gets. We don't see anybody complaining. We don't see anybody not doing it. They did what they were supposed to do. Maybe at this point, they finally had taken to understanding and learning that God was going to take care of this battle. So what are God's keys to victory? What are the keys that maybe uh, God is telling us this morning through this passage? The keys to victory in our own life, in our own battles. In verse, uh, I think it's verse 2, I don't have it in front of me. God says, listen, this is already promised to you. The victory is already done. That's right in the beginning. That's verse 2. He says, listen, this victory is over. Now, mind you, they haven't started, right? They haven't even gone to go around to Jericho. And God says, listen, the victory is yours. It's done. It's done. I've already taken care of it. Just a matter of going and doing your part. The question for you, you know, what would you attempt if you knew you would, could not fail? Where would you go if you knew you could not fail? So what is your battle this morning? What is your battle? I put Facebook on there because 
I spend way too much time on Facebook watching way too many people fight over things that really don't matter and argue with each other, and at the end of the day, it just boggles my mind. I'm not saying don't stand up for what you believe. I am saying it ain't worth your breath when you have to be uh, mean and nasty. And That's not your battle. Let it go. Let it go. Exactly. We'll, Kenny, we'll get Kenny to say. And the middle one reminds me of relationships. There are some times where we just don't control and cannot control the way things turn out. And trying does not make it better. It doesn't make it easier. you got to give that to God. Not willy-nilly, but you got to give that to God. And you got to give control. See, this is what we do. You, you remember that stool uh, illustration. I didn't put it up there today. There's, a, there's two people on the stool, and God and this woman's on the stool. And, and God's like, you're going to let me sit on the whole stool? And she's like, yeah. And then she slides him off, right? She won't give him all control. She gives him control for just a moment, and then she takes back over. And that's what we do, right? We give God control for just long enough to get in, ourselves in trouble, and then we begin to pull back. And we take it. And we're like, no, uh, sorry, I got this, God. Finances. Oh, goodness. I was just talking to a couple this week about uh, getting married, and I said, you know, if there's one thing I looked at my marriage over the last 29 years, there's one thing that people fight about. It's a given. Money. You know why? Because there's never enough. There's never going to be enough to satisfy all those things. And so you better go into a wedding or a marriage knowing full well that that's going to be a place where you argue, and that's where a place where you're going to have issues and struggles. Is that your battle this morning? Because God says, listen, I got this. I already won the battle for you. The first key to this victory is the let me take care of this in your life. Let me take care of this in your life. See, one of the struggles, I think we come to church and we feel... God moving in our life, and we are sitting in that pew, and I guarantee there's someone this morning sitting in that pew, and they're just, they're sh- I've been there, right? When I knew God was calling me to go and put something at the altar to pray to him and make it real in my life. And I sat in that pew, scared to death that the pastor was going to say, at the end of this service, there'll be an opportunity for you to come to the altar and pray. And we sit there and we're like, oh, God, you're going to work in it if you let me. But then we get scared because we're afraid that someone else in this church might think less of us and think that we got something wrong in our life if we were to step out and come to the altar and pray. We think that somehow, some way, that I'll be not as good. I think Sue and Jeff will be okay to let me share what happened two weeks ago. Uh, You may remember that Jeff and Sue Hoyt came forward two weeks ago. Two weeks ago from this morning. And you know where they were two weeks ago? They were confused. They didn't know. They didn't have any answers. They had called a doctor and couldn't get a response. Do you know how long it takes to get a specialist from Pittsburgh? Anybody want to guess? How long does it take you think 
to get a surgeon from Pittsburgh to do, to even get a consult, right? My wife said if she misses her dermatologist appointment, she's four to six months out. Four to six months, right? Jeff and Sue come up and they ask for prayer. They ask for prayer because they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go next. And that unknown is really hard. They have reached out to a doctor, got no response. They didn't have a response as we spoke. Do you know they came up and we prayed? The next day, they got a call. They had an appointment three days later. Sue had surgery three days after that. Sue is home resting, healing up this morning. Two weeks from the moment they prayed. Amen, right? And yet we think, oh, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if I can put that at the altar. God is working amongst us people, and he wants to work at it, but you've got to let him do it. It's, it just blew my mind when Sue said, hey, I have an appointment on Thursday, and then I talked to her on Thursday or Friday, and I'm like, Sue, how'd your appointment go? And she's like, signed up to go next Tuesday. We'll be having surgery. And I'm like, holy cow, right? I'm thinking three to six months because that's what happens. And God worked in that moment two weeks do you think that's an anomaly? I don't believe that at all. I believe God wants to work in our lives just like that. And we don't ever give him a chance. I'm telling you this morning, if there's something you need to bring to this altar to lay at God's feet this morning, before we leave, you'll have an opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. Second thing that this passage reminds me is that our God is unorthodox, right? If I was God and I was creating this battle, I would just put a uh, big bomb and blow it all up and it'd be done, right? Because then I'd know my people would be like, hey, yeah, that's cool. And God does the opposite. He's like, I don't want you to do what everybody else is doing. I want you to try something different. We're going to walk around this building. So pretty much we're going to exercise. We're going to walk around the building, and you realize that the fighting men were the ones that walked around the, the city. They would walk around the city, and then they would go back to camp. Talk about an interesting discussion, right? They left their families at camp. And the fighting men would come, and they'd walk around, and then they'd go back. What do you think they said over dinner for the first six days? So how did today's battle go? Well, we just walked around the camp. Joshua said, don't say a word. Let the horns uh, blow. Follow the ark. We walked around the camp, or around the city, and we came back to camp. And you know there was somebody's wife that was like, well, that's pretty odd and interesting plan. How long do you think you're going to be doing that plan? Right? And if you watched uh, the Veggie Tales, you know they chuck slushies in them. <laughs> I couldn't find that in Scripture. I just need to let you know that. I wasn't able to find, uh, substantiate that there were slushies and uh, they were thrown. Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel chapter 6. 
God doesn't keep Daniel from going into the den, does he? He shuts the lion's mouths. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty scary. Don't worry, <laughs> right? Don't worry, they're all, they're all hungry lions, but I'm going to shut their mouth, and it'll be all cool. Don't worry. Our God is sometimes unorthodox. So I want to tell you this little story. This is a, this is a nice picture. This is not the actual picture. I just I didn't feel like you were, your stomach could handle the actual picture, so I spared you that. But our... Uh, I want to tell you a story about an uh, a email that I got a, years ago, a couple years ago, a picture, and the picture was of a leg, not so unbroken. It seems that uh, Mark, our brother Mark Bartlett here, was playing some hockey, and uh, the leg broke in the process, and it was pointed the wrong direction, ugly, you know, that's not, it's not a... A little stress fracture. We're talking big, ugly mess. And I got a picture from being in the hospital. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but that sounds really painful. And then I watched them get surgery and get the pins and get all the jazz. The screws were coming out. I remember him sitting in the back of the van having to sit sideways because he couldn't even ride in the seat. In the midst of all of that, he's deciding to start his own business. <laughs> or he's, he's, God's moving in that area. But if you were to ask Mark what he learned from that, is that not, he didn't learn that he has a sore leg, or that his leg took a long time to heal, or that it was still painful and still gives him pain. He didn't learn any of those things. What he learned was that God had given him that time to, for his devotional time. And he would tell you that story. See, I'm going to ruin the story because I'm not nearly as, I can't tell you the story because I didn't live it, but Mark can definitely tell you that story. That God in his infinite wisdom worked in a very unorthodox way to help Mark in his devotional life as he was preparing to go out on his own to start a business and hopefully be successful. At that, at that point. And I do believe that at that moment that God really worked in some miraculous ways because when Mark finally, when he did do it, God was faithful. That doesn't mean there's always been more work than he had need of. He's had to trust. And yet, when he got a new building, we got together and we prayed over that building. And I remember that. I will never forget that. That became an important, God, he laid it all in God's feet. Literally, right? Figuratively. That broken foot was not just a broken foot or a broken leg, I'm sorry. It was a reminder that God was faithful. It was an opportunity for him to, to really improve his devotional life. And he had a whole lot of time to sit around and think because he couldn't go. He couldn't go, he was stuck. There are times in our own life where God works in very unorthodox ways. We ask God to heal people and they don't get healed. And that's a challenge, right? There are times when it doesn't 
turn out the way we think it's going to turn out. And so we say, obviously, God is not involved or doesn't care or doesn't really matter. I don't matter much to God. And yet I challenge you to look and see how God is working in the back of that. See, there's probably the most impressive, unorthodox way that God uh, has worked in our lives is that he sent Jesus to the cross. Have you thought much about that? First Corinthians says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to be those being saved, it's the power of God. Think about this. I'm going to send a king of the world, and then I'm going to let him be crucified. That doesn't make any sense, right? That's what the struggle with the disciples were. That's why they struggled so much. They were like, no, you need to be the king of the throne now. You need to go and overtake and put yourself on that throne right now. So unorthodox. Finally, the third key to God's, to victory in God's way would be to put him first. To put God first in your life. When they went around Jericho, what was, there were seven trumpets and then the ark. Do you remember the ark when we first talked about God changing up what was gonna use, he was going to use to lead God's people? He used the ark. The ark is, what is the presence of God. Listen, you need to put me first, he says. Put me in front of the plan, in front of your life. I want to tell you a little story about William Carney. William Carney was in the, uh, in the Civil War. He fought with the uh, 54 Massachusetts Volunteer uh, Infantry, the very first all-black regiment to fight in the Civil War. He was also the very first African-American to receive the Medal of Honor. For what? Here's what happened. He was in war, there was a battle, and the guy in front of him had the flag. And the guy in front of him had the flag and got shot. And as the guy was falling down, Carney ran up to him and grabbed the flag, not letting it touch the ground. Carney grabbed the flag and continued to take the flag to the hill, to the top of the hill. He suffered a wound to the arm and the leg. He had gunshots in both. But he made it to the top and set the flag on the ground as they took that hill. What's interesting is that this young man at the time was born a slave. Somehow got freed. They don't know how he got freed. Moved north and at 15 felt this call to ministry of some sort. A call of some sort began to feel that God was leading him towards ministry. But he didn't really know what that meant or what it looked like and obviously the time was a whole lot different than now, and there was a whole lot less opportunities 
for African Americans to even have an opportunity to be trained. But this is what he said. He said, previous to the formation of the colored troops, the 54 mass, I had a strong inclination to prepare myself for the ministry. But when the country called for all persons, I could not, I could best serve my God by serving my country and my oppressed brothers. In short, I enlisted for the war. He felt that God was calling him the best way that he could serve God and put him first was to put himself in harm's way. To put himself in harm's way was his best way to serve God. So here's a question. What's your Jericho today? I put those up because those are all about fighting, right? Fighting battles. Those are all about who's going to be wearing the, the gloves. Who have you put first in your life? Put God first in your life. Let him fight those battles. That means stepping off of your throne and allowing God. You know what? The, one of the struggles of Christianity is that we have to step away and let God do the leading. We put a nice big word on that, right? We call it salvation. All it means is giving God the reins. All it means is, yes, I'm going to take a chance on God and let him work in my life. But you got to do it. You know, it may be unconventional. It may be unorthodox the way that God works. But most importantly, I need to remind you that the battle has already been won. Let's pray. Lord God, there are some battles going on this morning. There are battles in people's hearts. Battles, Lord, for eternity. There are some here, Lord, who have never met you who have never given you a chance to lead their life. Sure, they've come to church, they've sat in a pew, but they've never allowed you a chance to lead their life. And the war is raging even more at this moment. The war that says, I can do it on my own versus I can try God. And Lord, what a challenging moment they are at. There are those, Lord, who have battles that they won't even speak of. They're afraid to share. Lord, I think of things like addiction, pornography. I think of, Lord, attitudes, those things that get in the way. Those battles, Lord, that we have not put at your feet. Those battles that we have thought, I'll deal with this myself. I don't need any help. And yet we run the same circle, the same cycle. We just go around and around and around. Not ever giving you a chance to work in our lives. Forgetting, Lord, that you want to work in our lives. 
Lord, I pray for those this morning who need to lay that at the altar. Those, Lord, who need to put that in front of you to cement a decision in their life. See, Lord, it may not be comfortable to do that. It may feel hard. It may feel that it's a challenge. And yet, you say, come to me all who are burdened. Take it to the cross. Lord, I pray anyone on anyone this morning who has called, who is challenged to be called to your name, I pray that you would encourage their heart. That they would be reminded that people here love them and desire what's best for them. And it's not a dog and pony show, but rather it's a hospital, a place where we come to find healing. Lord, may it open their hearts this morning. In your name we pray.